Well, hello and welcome to the Middlemen Podcast, where, as always, we'll talk boxing, British boxing, this week alongside myself, Noah Abrahams, and Max Taylor. It's all the action from inside the ring with rising British and Welsh boxing star, one half of the Croft Twins, Garen Croft. Um, Garen, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. Nice pleasure to be speaking to you. Appreciate it. So, you're 21 years old, you're a European champion, silver medalist, a Commonwealth Games bronze medalist, you're the twin brother of a Commonwealth Games gold medalist, and you've represented Wales. Now you're on Team GB. And that's not bad for a lad from Cardigan. No, not at all. But um, it's been a long time coming. Been in the game since I've been about eight years old, seven, eight. So it's 13 years now. And it's not all been not all been success. There's been some been some downs as well. But um, now the last few years, especially the last 12 months, has been unbelievable. I see myself come on a lot. And um, yeah, just improving all aspects of, of my boxing. And we we spoke uh, when I saw you at Commonwealth Games, Garen, about um, how your well back then it was only about six months you were kind of fresh into the GB setup, but already had a a whirlwind of a year, and that was only the first half. Now the time has gone on. How have you found yourself kind of navigating that path of you know one that many um, many boxing greats have have walked before in terms of the GB setup, uh, the amateur route, and participating in major competitions. Um, yeah, definitely settled in more now into the GBA. Comfortable up in Sheffield. I'm happy there at the moment. Obviously, not ideal with the situation with my brother's weight being taken out. But um, no, I feel my experience in that first six months was massive. Um, having three major tournaments in the space of about six, seven months has really boosted my confidence ready for this year and um, opened the carry on the, the good form from last year and try and qualify for the Olympics this year. Garen, you mentioned your brother's weight there because they've dropped the, the welterweight weight class. So can you sort of explain what's gone on? Do you understand it? And, and at the same time, what, what's the general feel with you and your brother? What have been the discussions that, that have been had? Um, they've dropped the weight because... Well, they've dropped welterweight, they've dropped middleweight. They're trying to make more room for women's weights, which um, not going to speak too much on, but I can understand it. But I don't think don't think it's the right thing dropping some of the most historic men's weights. I mean, middleweight and welterweight is probably the most popular weight for men's boxing, as long as, as well as the heavyweights. But um, it's a bit nuts. You can just take away the two most exciting weights, pretty much, in my mind, away from Olympic Games. Um, over the years, the Olympics have seen some great middleweights and some great welterweights, and now that's come to an end. We won't, we won't have that anymore. But um, yeah, me and my brother, we sat down, we've talked, um, and it's quite obvious. We, GB have said, and they know they don't even like us sparring each other up there. So we'll never be put in the situation where we'll be in a position to even fight each other. It'll just be, um, we'll get picked over form. So just we'll be sent to different tournaments or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was, it's, we can deal with it. Um, obviously it's not nice competing against your brother, but, um, I'd rather compete with him in this way rather than have to jump in the ring with him and box him. If you know what I mean? 
yeah, it's, it's a poor mistake made by uh, the International Olympic Committee um, to do that to boxing is, as you said, stripping away uh, very entertaining weights. If you look at the Commonwealth Games last year, um, both divisions that you and you're in, obviously in, in separate uh, weight classes in that competition, but very exciting people. If you look at the depth that that had, you know, you had former medalists in there. So I, I personally think it is a, a, a poor mistake made. What has been the, the conversations then that, that you've had with um, Team GB as well? You said that they're going to pick you guys over form. Have they kind of told one of you to step aside or are they just going to make that decision on the fly there? Um, no, so they're giving us both an equal chance, a fair chance as well as Harris Akbar. There's three of us at the weight. And um, obviously we've got to, each of us have got to prove ourselves and show them, show them with the best light middle is and um we're getting chances at these tournaments to, to show our skills and it'll be whoever's in best form will will get the space. So, um, no, it's, it's a fair way of doing it. We'll never have to box each other, so it's it's not as bad as it really is. It's just our dream is always, like the Commonwealth Games, us both going, both being with the hope of meddling or winning it. So, um, in that aspect, our Olympic dream is over in that way, but now it's an individual dream of representing it by ourselves and um that's still a massive thing we both want to do yeah you you want to do it by yourselves but like max says there have been some great boxing brothers from the klitschko's to the yafai's i mean i mean yeah. you, you is is that the aim to, to create a legacy like the yafai name or the klitschko name or or like so many others yeah definitely and um especially as as we go into the pro ranks maybe next year now um that would be a big marketing thing if two twins have been to the been to the Olympics. That was what we were hoping for. But um, yeah, definitely we come as a pair either way. So um, that is the aim. Yeah, just like just like the Klitschko's and just like the UFIs. Three of the UFIs have trained in Sheffield in their in their own time, and you know they they're unbelievable boxers, and um, they've all helped each other along the way, and we'd we'd hope to do similar. Yeah, and um, you just mentioned the pro ranks next year. There, is that going to be something? Obviously, I assume you and Yoan are going to hit at the same time. And and have you kind of maybe not put a month on it, but you've looked at next year and said, yeah, after after the Olympics, then we're going to uh, we'll, we'll definitely go into that. Obviously, you know, one of you won't be going, but you know, after the other has yeah. competed there, are you are you eyeing the pros up just before? Because obviously, Jake Dodd from uh, Team Wales is, is just has he signed pro then by being with Joe Gallagher? Uh, yeah, Jake signed a while ago with Rob Rimmer. But, um, not sure how up to date you are with the boxing, but I'm not too sure what's gone on with uh, Rob's boxers, but a lot of them have moved gyms. So um, Jake's now gone to Gallagher's, which I think is a brilliant move for him, tough for him. My brother actually met up with Jake last week on his way back from Manchester, and the first time they've met since the Commonwealth Games, and those two have always had a funny relationship bit of a love hate I mean I think Jake's been very close to punching him a few times and there's been a few scuffles but um nah I'm chuffed for Jake I just just hope he's a, he's another grafter he, he gives it his all and um where we're a bit different to Jake Jake's got a bit less he's not really got time on his side so he's he's a bit older I think Jake's Jake's probably 27 28 so um Fair play to him. He's doing his. He's made his moves quick, and um, 
I can't wait to watch his debut because I think it's going to be exciting. But um, yeah, the pro game for me and Johan, as we're only 21, there is no real rush. Time's on our side. So um, yeah, we're, we've looked into it already with the whole scandal of the Russia uh, not being allowed to compete if Russia are there and stuff. But um, Nash, I'm staying amateur for now is the best call and we're both happy in Sheffield as it stands. So um, yeah, we'll we'll be in no rush to go pro, but it is something we are looking into. But um, yeah, definitely after after next summer, it's that will be the next move. Last um, one, last yeah. one from me. I was just going to say oh, no. you, you touched on Russia there and everything else. I mean, how important is it for boxers to stay out of the politics to just let everyone else saw that for you guys to just focus on punching each other? Um. Yeah, we've had our warnings, quite quite firm warnings off uh, UK Sport, GB Boxing, uh, GB Sport or whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not our place to step above the government there and because there's a possibility we will be approached by the IBA, which is the International Boxing Association. And... They will invite us to the World Championships where Russia will be and they will fund us if we participate under the white flag. And um, that is something that is way out of our hands. I mean, if we do that, we've been told it won't be good press. We'll be we'll be on the news probably. But um, no, we're in we're in a team up there. So um, you listen to your coaches. We can't we can't go out of line. We've got to listen to the government. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's the government who have given us the opportunities. As they're the ones funding us, funded us to the Commonwealth Games, funded us to European. So, um, yeah, it'd be be very disrespectful to go and do that. And I think a silly move. I don't think it'd go down well with the public either. But um, yeah, we're just listening. They've got plenty of other tournaments for us, so there's no need to go into anything rash like that. So yeah. Darren, we know uh, you're a busy man, obviously, uh, with your lifestyle, yeah. but you have got some leisure time your week off, and uh, we know you've got a dart to a cup final. Just finally then, before you do go off, um, what are your plans for this year? What are your ambitions, obviously, before um, your your big year that you've got scheduled ahead next year? Um, I'm going to get a handicap in golf, probably, in the next <laughs> few months. That's what I'm aiming for. We saw um, you were up no, uh, in the other room there, <laughs> playing the other day. Yeah, uh, definitely. But um, no, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting another chance to prove myself so I get picked for that first qualification in in June in Poland in the European Games and hopefully go in there and qualify. And if that's not the case, hopefully get a chance to qualify next March. So um, yeah, this Olympics now is everything. So the, the year is all about qualifying for that and um, giving it my all in training, giving it my all when I go to tournaments, staying professional and just just trying to live the life and and achieve achieve what I've been going for for years. So, yeah. So, Garen Croft there, what a man. Handicapping golf, off to watch his mate's final. He's definitely going to get the beers and there was a little chat free podcast about whether or not he'd have, he'd break his routine and have a beer. I think it's important to to let loose, let your hair down. So Their, their discipline's legend. better than us, mate. Much better than us, let me tell you. <laughs> the discipline here is awful. I mean, I, I, we were going to talk Joshua Franklin, we're both. You're a Liverpool fan. I'm a Chelsea fan. And whilst we're on beer, let's let's do Chelsea Liverpool, then go to Franklin. Because I was in central London last night. I thought I'd go up, go up near the bridge, watch the game. I, I've told you how much uh, a Carling was, but I, I'll tell I'll tell everyone at six fifty for a Carling, 
450 for a baby Guinness shot. Central London is extortionate. Um, I was completely taken back. Like, this is from someone who's lived in London their whole life, and I could not believe how bad prices were. Um, they just got and, worse as and well. How, how poor the game was. Um, nil nils are never great. Chelsea, I mean, really should have won that game, in my opinion. Um, we were lucky not to score through Havertz with a handball. Uh, and then James's goal was it was ruled out because he was well offside uh, in the build-up to it. Um, what did you think? I think Liverpool, if if Klopp hadn't had so much success with Liverpool, he'd be gone by now, wouldn't he? But it, but you're you're not like that as a football club, and it would be completely outrageous to sack a manager who's turned around the fortunes of a club. So now they are great again. Yeah, I think. Um... Like like pint prices is the same as Liverpool's form. It just gets worse. Um, we were lucky to to come away with one point from that game yesterday. Just did not look like a threat at any point. Um, actually surprised that Reese James was off with that offside. That that's the first time we've kept a, a straight high line um, since God knows when. So yeah, just a, a lot of negatives to take away. But the, the one point's good enough. Um, but you look over the, the last 180 minutes of Chelsea-Liverpool and it's been... Nil-nils. Horrible football for the neutral. I think it's the last four games of finished goalless between Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, look, my my take on Liverpool was that Klopp, Klopp is using stale tactics that everyone everyone knows now. Everyone's wise to. I don't know why I didn't start. I thought your bench was stronger than your starting eleven. Salah, Gakpo, Milner. Um, didn't really understand why they were playing. I don't really... I don't rate Jones. Um... I thought Liverpool in the final third were poor, had nothing going for them. Um, Chelsea, great until they get to the final third. They get into the final third, we don't have a number nine. Kai Havertz is just not not cut out for it. And then going forward, I thought Cucurella was poor, had another bad game. Um, yeah, Two teams that are going through really difficult times for, for different reasons. Um, I wasn't I wasn't best pleased watching that game. Yeah, the uh, the starting squad. I have no idea what's going on there. I don't know if we're saving ourselves for Chelsea, as if as if we're going to get a result out of that. I really don't know what the the thought behind Klopp's thing. That looks like a a team that you put up on a Tuesday night against Preston North End. Trent, in, Trent in the well FA on the Cup. bench. Yeah, but Trent needs that. Trent needs a bit of humbling because I think, um, I think, although he's having bad performances. I think he knows that there's nobody in competition with him. So he's he's all right. He, he can afford to have a bad game because he's not going to get benched. Whereas he needs that competition. That Joe Gomez, who's not normally competitive with him because he's like many of the other players had an awful season. Although he did impress me um, yesterday more than he has. And, and that just kind of goes to show the standards. But yeah, I think Trent needs that kind of reality check. Um, and it's like you need to start playing well, otherwise you will get benched. But it was just we were like the opposites in our strengths and weaknesses. Like as you said, you're you're pretty good until you get to the final third, um, and then and then you just can't put your ch- you can't put your chances away. That's what it is. It's not that you know we're short on creating chances. We don't have that final ball. Chelsea can you guys create. do, but you don't have that right. That final yeah, shot. Chelsea can create. We just don't have a number. A proper number nine, a proper forward to put the ball in the back of the net. You, you guys just don't even seem to be able to get to the final third, which is just crazy. I thought every every it's unheard of for Liverpool. Really, every is. ball was sideways. Uh, I thought Henderson was very average last night. 
I thought, or this is so. This is the next day after Chelsea Liverpool. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was a very poor game on the whole. Um, better from Chelsea. I think, you know, at least it was an exciting performance, and we, and we were creating. Um, but Mudrick came off the bench. He did nothing. Sterling, all right, he's coming back from injury, but still, I would have preferred him to have started because he does make a difference. Um, but but really, a poor display from both teams. Both going through transitions. So. Well, um, we'll see how the rest of the season pans out. I don't think anyone's getting in Europe between the two of us. And no. I was going to uh, say, it's just mad how, you know, you, you've gone through all those all those players and, and the players that you got in now, but you still haven't had a top quality number nine since that Diego Costa. It, it yeah. literally does seem like a curse at this point. It, it's really strange. It's strange that we spend so much money and we can't get a proper striker. At, it, it's, it's odd. It's just odd. I don't understand. I mean, Kante was playing as a forward. And it makes absolutely no sense. And I think Chelsea have just been Dante's in such everywhere. a transition for such a long time. And like like Man City, uh, Tuchel, when at Chelsea, was making the most of a bad situation without a striker and was winning games. All right, towards the end, he wasn't winning games. He would have turned it around. Um, maybe we get a striker, we get a Haaland equivalent. It won't be Kane, but maybe someone like Kane and, and we turn it around. We'll see. Um, someone who needs humbly, he said Trent did. Anthony Joshua... Was he humbled or does he still need humbling? So it was a performance against Jermaine Franklin that went all the way, went 12 rounds. Uh, I don't think anyone thought it would or it wasn't meant to. Anthony Joshua was meant to, quote unquote, stop Franklin within the first three to six, uh, I'd say. Um, He didn't. It was a struggle. It was a battle. He was quite clearly the winner on points, but that's not really good enough. Yeah, it's not what he wants to be achieving on it on his comeback fight um just looked like he he didn't have that confidence again and you know we saw a lot of caution with him in the Usyk fight and fair enough you're up against one of if not the best counterpuncher in world boxing but when it's Jermaine Franklin you've got to take those risks that is the perfect opponent to take those risks to land a few more combinations to actually kind of go in for the kill a little bit we didn't see that ki- you know, he lacks no, it's nobody's mad. You're right, and he he does lack he does lack a killer instinct to the point where he can get uh, Franklin wobbled like he did. And I think it was the eleventh or twelfth, right towards the end. And Franklin looked really dazed. Uh, at Joshua had got him, um, and then he and then he takes a step back and he relaxes into himself. And instead of going for that killer punch or, or that killer combination, he, he he retracts into himself. It's a really really weird thing, um, and you could tell that. Joshua was the former world champion and that Franklin was the guy who was in a warehouse a year ago. Saying that, Franklin held his own. Uh, he's held his, he held his own against White. He held his own against Joshua. Um, he might have lost both fights, but this guy deserves a lot of praise, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think his chin to hold up and only be wobbled because, you know, although Joshua, as we were saying, didn't follow up, he was landing some big shots. Through through the uh, the right hand through the guard there, pierced it so many times and, and hurt Franklin a lot. And you know he, he shook it off and and kept coming for for twelve rounds to do that to not get frustrated by that and uh, not get disheartened by it Sh- speaks a lot to Franklin's heart. You know he he was there to fight, try and make the upset happen. Um, unfortunately, it, it wasn't there for him, but it just it wasn't it wasn't convincing enough. Uh, for Anthony Joshua, and as we were saying about that killer instinct, it used to be so synonymous with him. And, 
you know, even four years ago now, since that first Andy Ruiz fight, since that shock upset, he still hasn't learned to to shake what happened that night off. It's haunting him. Four yeah, years it later, it's still haunting him. He's a completely different boxer. And I, I know people sometimes get a bit annoyed when we speak about, or anyone speaks about Anthony Joshua. But, but the point is that Anthony Joshua was meant to be the next massive, big name in British boxing. He was meant to be the Hollywood boxer, uh, with the great story through the Olympics and through his early roots in Watford to a world champion. Uh, and and that was the case for a while. He's dropped off now. And even in his post-fight antics um, with yeah, Adi Oladipo interviewing him and Joshua was sort of saying that it didn't really matter. And so it was, it was a really bizarre post-fight interview where he didn't hold himself very well. And, I, I don't know. There's something off about Joshua that and I don't. I, on, I genuinely, honestly think if he fights Fury, it's over very quickly. Yeah, I know what you mean about the behaviour is just a, a bit more bizarre, isn't it? Um, the way he was saying that, and I think, to be honest, I think, okay, it has truth to it. You know, no one's going to look at Anthony Joshua's biggest fights and and pick out the Jermaine Franklin one, but that doesn't matter. You're in there to make something of yourself and show something of yourself, especially after coming off two losses where you've lost your titles, you've lost what was had been your identity for years, to then have a comeback win and say, oh, that doesn't matter. Is that speaking more to his performance? Or, you know, to me, that speaks volumes about what he thinks of himself. Why are you not trying to entertain everybody, you know, Im- immediately with that fight? Why is it, oh, it's fine. That doesn't, that's not the right attitude. And it's definitely not... Oh. A, a world champion's attitude. I think he may just be a bit more careless nowadays in terms of what he's saying, in terms of what he cares about. I think he's starting to prioritize things. Obviously, we saw um, in his press conference weeks ago where he's talking about money's the thing that drives me, and I don't criticize him for that. Fair enough. If, well, if that's I, what, I don't know if that's what drives you, but legacy is a thing, and I think it's something that Joshua is caring about less and less as time goes on. I agree. I agree. It, it is the legacy stuff is is not at the forefront of his mind. Um, I was going to say that I think he has a bit of a chip on his shoulder at the moment for for whatever reason. Um, at a time my, where my he pers- should he should not have a chip on his shoulder. No, he shouldn't. The guy's been a unified world cha- world heavyweight champion. What more do you want? And he's he's got the ability to do it again. It's just like you're right. It's like he's lacking this switch or this this desire or ambition. Um, I don't agree with the money. I, I don't agree with the money statement. Um, even if it's true that he's motivated by money, which uh, you know what, he grew up on a, a council estate in Watford and and didn't have anything anything when he was growing up. Of course, he's motivated by money, uh, like everyone is. But that's not what you say when you're a world champion. You keep those. If you want to say that, say it privately. You don't go on the world stage and and tell all of these young fans that what motivates you is money. What what kind of impression does that leave? Um, Joshua is someone who I really mix opinions opinions on. I, I used to really love the guy. He was a Watford boy. Um, he was one of our own. Went to the same sixth form college as him. Like a real connection. I felt like I had a real connection with him. Went to the Klitschko fight. And over time, I think he's just becoming more and more average, more and more. Uh, I, I, I just he's just he's drifting away from the sport, and it's not great to see the the Laura Wood stuff in the end was funny, but. Um, 
I think Ruben Loftus cheek is a better chance there. I, <laughs> I think so, some of that bit was a hard watch. Very, very cool to have uh, such two high-profile people in terms of Laura Woods and Anthony Joshua just just chilling uh, on a couch, just you know ha- having a bit of fun and a laugh. But um, you know, it, it makes for different content. But yeah, I, I just I don't know. I don't know if that's a media problem as well. Like I, I'm just thinking, if I was him, I wouldn't and I, I wouldn't be happy with that performance, and I definitely wouldn't go into the into the back room and, and have a laugh and a joke straight away after no. well, to be fair we don't know how how uh, long afterwards it was but i know what you mean with anthony joshua mate i feel like a lot of people has, have come off his bandwagon just because he's lost and and you know to which but i don't think it said, is I, I don't think it's just because he lost i think it's it's because of the way he's it's the attitude that comes with it performing as well, and behaving because yeah. he, he beat he beat frank let's not forget he won that fight yeah um it just feels it just like a loss. Feel like, it doesn't feel like an Anthony Joshua win, does it? No, it, it doesn't. And you, and you go back to the really early days when he won his first belt from the American. Um, Martin. Yeah, yeah, Martin. Uh, when he, I think he, he, that was a second round knockout, wasn't it? If, if yeah, memory, uh, if memory yeah. serves. Um, early on. Complete. I, I remember watching that as a, you know, sort of a young boxing fan being really excited by it. And now it's just, I'll, I'll still watch every Anthony Joshua fight because he has, he has that ability to grip boxing fans, but at the same time, at the same time, I've lost a little bit of respect for AJ. I think he needs to buck up his ideas, and um, if he if he fights Fury, great. Uh, I don't think he's going to win it. Um, that's my opinion. Yeah, I I think he should stay away from the Fury fight, but also I think Fury just kind of stays away from it as well. He's he's another bizarre character in the sense of. You know everything that's happened with the Usyk negotiations. I think that's a fight he can win, so it confuses me as to why he hasn't gone through with that. Um, I think maybe a bit of greed and a bit of ego and a bit of pride all plays a part into that. Um, and I th- and I think that's definitely played somewhat into AJ's career as well. It's hard to see where he goes from here, but I would like to see that white rematch again. I think that's it's the perfect time for it or Joe Joyce, but I think. Joe Joyce might just edge him because that is a hungry, motivated person who is on borrowed time and wants to cement a legacy. So both of those fights would be great. But yeah, Joshua back to winning ways in the win column. Hopefully he can build from here. You know, as, as a fellow Brit who's backed him over the years, hopefully, as you said, he can buck his ideas up and uh, and bring some more success. Let's see what happens. Thanks for watching the Minimum Podcast this week. It's been great. Uh, thanks again to Garen Croft and uh, best of luck to him and his brother. All the best, guys. And happy Easter. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah, happy Easter, guys. Happy Passover. Thanks to Garen for coming on. Um, Hopefully you guys are enjoying a bit more of the sun that we got now. And uh, thanks for tuning in again.